welcome to AltaVita Talent Mobility Series. My name is Karolina Saviova and I'm the COO of AltaVita, a global and cloud-based corporate housing platform with over 20,000 verified properties across 80 locations globally. In today's episode, I'm welcoming Cheryl Young, the fascinating talent mobility professional, female leader, author, and a former global mobility lead at Shopify Inc. I'm very excited because we'll be covering a number of interesting topics today, focusing on diversity, inclusion, gender and employee experience during the current pandemic. Now, Cheryl, over to you. Please do share your story and career journey in talent mobility, as well as more information about your former role with Shopify. To, you know, I, I worked a number of various roles, marketing support and the consumer goods industry. Um, nighttime and data entry at transportation companies and then an opportunity came up at um, in a professional services space as a partner and manager assistant and it was at that role that I moved into global mobility I started off as the administrator there and it was simply an organic conversation with an HR mentor <clears throat> excuse me and she highlighted the benefits of moving into this because I wanted to do something more than just the traditional human resources and talent and that global mobility space appealed to me then. And literally it made, it equally made no sense, but it seemed so completely right for me. It, there was just something so innate about being there and the way in which they integrated talent with mobility formed my development and my concept of mobility and that's how I have always viewed this space and I've been in in it ever since so you fast forward to that and I've worked at um, within the engineering procurement and consulting space I've done oil and gas and most last at um, Shopify I've done independent contributor roles moving from a team you know from a, a team of two team of one, a team lead. I had a short-term assignment in the Middle East. And then most recently, I was a team and technical lead at Shopify. So being out of the space for the last five months. So, you know, there's, there's certainly been a, a significant ebb and flow in the career, but the pathways and just the different distinctions of how mobility has evolved and how I have evolved in mobility is something that I really, really have cherished over the past 10 years in, in this space. Um, and in the last five months of not having, not being in the corporate world in the day to day, I still do keep myself active. I, I think I consider myself a lifelong learner for all things mobility. So I still keep up with my professional development, uh, facilitate or participate in round tables and just a few other initiatives to keep me, um, keep me going. Cause I, I love this space and I, I, I can't, it's not that I don't think I can do anything else, but this this speaks to me and it, it always has for some reason. So I certainly, you know, would say to anybody, if you're thinking whether you should do it or not, you'll enjoy it. There, there are so many pathways to this. There are certainly, you know, one of the, the funny things someone had said once was this, this feels like, you know, moving parts. So it equally, again, makes no sense, but everything works. And the people that you're helping to move, the families that you get to interact with, the hard conversations that you get to have, those are, are things that have certainly helped build the career that I've had in mobility. And for that, I'm immensely, immensely grateful. 
That is indeed quite of a journey, really, Cheryl. I guess that with over 10 years of experience in talent mobility and HR, you've seen a lot of changes and met a lot of people and experts. I would like to start with the topic of inclusion, diversity and gender equality. Well, do you see, for example, a lot of female leaders in our industry? How would you evaluate global mobility from the diversity perspective? I think the way I view it, current state is you can't look at, I guess, the inclusion and diversity concept in isolation of a greater talent strategy. So in all fairness, if an organizational philosophy does not include or, do, or does not have an inclusion and diversity strategy, then a mobility strategy can't be as inclusive and, and diverse. Um, I, I recently came across a quote from a VP of Pixar where she said, um, diversity is about head count and inclusion is about making those heads count. And I think those are two things that we need to continue to be, to have top of mind when we talk about inclusion and diversity. I'll be frank in saying that, you know, when I look around the, the room, it, it's a very small circle. So I think even within the Americas, when you look around the table, you see the same players in the sense of female leads. You don't see that many people of color as leads, but they're certainly there. I can think of four strong women in, in Ontario who are persons of color who are mobility leaders in their own right. And I think that's great to see. I think we still need to see more of that. Um, I had one where not one experience when I visited Germany for, for a conference and there was this one lady, she was in benefits, but what was interesting was that she brought her successor to the conference with her. That's not something that you see happen a lot. And that's, that I think if we give more space to those opportunities for those who are in the industry and want to learn and bring them to the table with us, I think you can start to see more inclusivity in that regard. But from a workforce perspective, I certainly think fundamentally, yes, there is more to be done, but it's still, it's, it's a niche part of, of the whole talent function that not many people not many people love, to be honest with you, because the first thing you'll hear about mobility is the case management, but it's really much more than that. And if you delve into those other pieces of it, I think you'd really love it. And it would be great to see way more female representation, especially for women of color. When we look at uh, the sector, uh, we can see that that the presence of female leaders is certainly growing. But when mm -hmm. we look at the actual assignees, we know that only uh, less than 25% of international assignees are actually female. Mm -hmm. So <clears throat> when it comes to the global mobility professionals, what can be done in more concrete terms in order to really uh, insert, so to say, um, more diversity, inclusion, and, um, and, and really gender policies into the global mobility programs? I was curious about this. So where can you expand probably a bit on what that 25% where that came from, which industry or how recent that data is? Yes, of course. So the research dates back to 2018 and is made by Brookfield. So although the number of female assignees as well as business travelers is actually growing steadily over the years, there still remains a big gender gap, particularly when it comes to long assignments and relocation as opposed to, to short term assignments. Yeah, so valid point, and, and, and thanks for clarifying that. So I think, you know, there, there are probably two ways that I'm looking at, at that, that stat. 
So first, you know, I even think back of my first role when we were doing project management specifically over a span of maybe three years, I moved two females. So that number is progressing, which is good. So the needle is moving. And if I think of as, you know, exactly what we're going through now, we're still having that needle move. Certainly to, to, to some, it may not be as fast as we would like it to, but I'd like to think that if you have more representation, then you're likely to start having greater conversations about the diversity that needs to happen with, especially from that perspective. But if I, you know, zoom out, I, I wanted to, to be sensitive to the fact that we do tend to get really traditional in the lens of how we view um, talent simply as male versus female. And the diversity in talent is much wider and it needs to be more inclusive than this. So, you know, even if I take the, this conversation around gender classification as an example, we've evolved to, to date and, and certainly the, the, the gender classification itself has expanded. And I, I think we do ourselves a disservice if we, if we remain intentionally unaware of, of how if we don't accept or become more inclusive to gender classification, we're dismissing someone's right to gender choice. So holistically, I'd like to think we become stronger about talking about all, everyone is equally capable and eligible for mobility experience, regardless of race, gender, sexual orientation, gender classification, gender orientation, that's the spectrum we're dealing with. And everyone is equally deserving of a mobility experience. And I think that's how I would want us to start looking at talent because certainly the issues do not go away from the traditional lens of male versus female, but it certainly is no, it's not easier for the other classifications that are there. And those are the, those are the ones that I think bear more um, scrutiny in terms of how we, we, we support their employee experience. It's, it's easy to get hung up on a traditional male versus female conversation. And that's, and, and I think to some, to, to some extent that's easy, but if we get beyond that, the talent spectrum is much wider and that's what we need to be focused on from a mobility perspective. Having said that there, there's a lot of work to do. Um, it's not going to happen overnight. So again, we go back to that moving the dial conversation or sorry, moving the needle conversation. And it becomes, um, it, it really becomes, so if I think to, to, to how to, to say what policies do you need or how you can bet, get better at having these conversations, it's opening the dialogue. So, you know, if, if I'm at having a conversation with a talent lead or, you know, an HR business partner or business lead, and you're looking at your workforce for a particular scope outside of the country, you do want to ask that question, is everyone fairly represented here who could be presented for this project, this work, et cetera, outside? Certainly conversations happen before mobility gets involved, but I think if you, if you can start bringing yourself in, in the conversations a bit earlier to expand on the talent that is being um, assessed for assignments, those conversations can become more, more open. So how do you think that the conversations are going to evolve in the light of the current pandemic? You know, current state, I think it's, it's, it's harder. So when I think we're starting to see research. So if I think now of, of the pandemic and, and the, the impact it is likely to have on the, the talent spectrum going on assignment, right now we are, we are faced with, or we're starting to see research that suggests 
that employers are struggling or will struggle for the near term to incent employees to take on an assignment. So again, you see we're moving away from even a male-female conversation. People are universally concerned about taking an international assignment. And those are the conversations that I think we need to get smarter about. And the, the reality of it is such that we will have to be building packages from, a, from an assignment or incent perspective that matches the experience, the lived experience and desires of or workforce. And that looks fundamentally different from how we've traditionally done mobility before. And I think those are the things that we need to, to be mindful of. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy that you're saying this. This is really interesting. <clears throat> At the end of the day, it requires a collaborative effort within the enterprise to uh, really inspire the change. It's not only about the local vendors, whether they are able to ensure safety and security and duty of care, but really it needs to be within the, the, the company culture. That certainly comes into play, Carolina, with, with teams like yourselves, right? So you're on the ground locally. So let's say, for example, that you're dealing with somebody who is probably a transgender, someone who has a physical disability, who needs that accommodation. You know where these resources are. We may not have, you know, immediate line of sight to them, but we want to become better collaborators with internal and external stakeholders to know where we can get access to these small businesses or diverse businesses that, that support the entire talent spectrum so that when we build on that mobility journey from the internal aspect, then the, the way in which service partners work with us in that ecosystem, that it all integrates. And I think that's what we need to get stronger in doing. I also wanted to ask, obviously, about your role in, in Shopify Inc, um, because Shopify has been witnessing a fantastic growth over the recent years with new products being launched um, and, and new geographies uh, being explored. So how was it uh, from your perspective working for a high growth company and how is it affecting your role in global mobility? Yeah, you know, agile. So it was it was eye opening. It, it, some days, uh, you know, I loved every second of it. So what was interesting was, you come away from from a traditional and traditional really gets a very disparaging term, and I, I don't mean it in, in any disrespect. But the, the 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 typical way in which you would do mobility, it, it doesn't necessarily look differently in a technology industry. It just happens in rapid speed. And then you're dealing with various business lines that also expect that fluidity. So when we talk about, you know, a skill versus an attribute, it, it, is, it, it is required of you more often than not, I think, to be agile. So I, I want to be sensitive to the fact that somebody may hear this and say, well, that happens in every industry. It certainly does. But for high growth companies, there seems to be a, an amplification of that agility that's required and it works it, it has to work you know their their model is moving product or having product for business for people who want who want to maintain their economic viability so i think in all in all respect we knew that going in and we always know that going in from a mobility space that you have to you're you're, you're catering to a business internally so you have to be there when they need you, how they need you. And that sometimes does create a healthy tension with the way that you traditionally see or the skills that you've brought in and the experience that you've had in the past. But what, you know, what was a constant learning for me was whatever I knew of mobility, 
worked, can get better, could work differently. And I think that's, that, that was the beauty of how that, that role worked out for, for me. And, and I think that's something that anyone who's in this space and is really, you know, taking it on the chin will view it and should view it. It's certainly fast paced and I think it will get cer certainly faster in, in the sense of how we now have to, to be in front of the conditions, especially the external conditions that are, are, we're faced with in this industry. So I do, I do see mobility being asked more of in this space going forward. When we talk earlier about, you know, incenting employees to take assignments, while that may look differently globally, you may see a greater need for domestic moves. So that certainly will look differently. If you didn't have a domestic package, that certainly means you're going to have to start ramping up on that and looking at those distinctions. But I think there is more there's still more to the mobility framework in, in, this, in this space. So I'm looking forward to the next iteration. I see. So what would be the typical employer transfer profile that you would be usually dealing with? Um, it varied. Um, no different than any other industry, I, I don't think. So if I, if I think back, it was a mix. So you had your typical demographic. You, so your one, your family plus... Yeah, two. I don't think I moved many pets I can't think of. So your traditional spouse, child, young children. You did move a fair bit of millennials and the intern package was certainly um, one that, that was extensive. So I'd like, you know, I want to, um, yeah, I, I can't see that I saw the demographic of, of who moved in technology industry that much differently. But if I look at the industry overall, certainly when you talk about even Silicon Valley in comparison to Canada, I think they were probably the same in terms of demographic. Um, so what was interesting though was they were culturally way more savvy. So I think you'd call them your digital natives. Way more savvy in terms of how they wanted their moves to happen. They're always online and in a technology culture, I went in with the appreciation that they were probably miles ahead in terms of their research and the things that they needed, especially from a relocation perspective, more so than I would have been. And that certainly was the case. And that's, I don't think any different from, you know, any other technology company that I can think of my colleagues sharing their experiences. They're, they're savvy. They are online all the time. They are responsive. So as a consequence, you're expected to have that same level of churn in how you are responsive to them and the information that you feed to them. That also then translates into how they expect their services to be delivered. So when we get, you know, sometimes certainly hung up on having a traditional silo from a employee to a relocation management company or to any of the other services within the mobility ecosystem, it tends to get really choppy and that experience was not the best for them. So I think you have to get cleaner, not, not unique to a technology space as a mobility function overall. We need to get cleaner at reducing that friction for the employee. And I think technology platforms can certainly enhance that but I don't want us to do away without thinking about the whole talent strategy to, to make that happen. Of course. <clears throat> so given the savviness of, um, of the transferees, does it mean that you would be also to a certain extent allowing the lump sum type of moves with them um, using various technology platforms to book accommodation or perhaps do their orientation online? 
Um, yes and no. So it all depended on, on the need. We were certainly more mindful or I guess aware that, again, to, to the point of them always being online, that they, they had different needs or wanted different choices. But in most organizations, you do have a framework, and I guess it varies by each organization or industry, where you may see that you have either a hybrid model that allows for um, selecting certain services, or you've got your traditional where you've got the benefits all laid out, or you may have something as a lump sum. So certainly I think there's, there is an appetite to consider all of those options if that's what is required. And that is certainly the agility with which mobility practitioners will need to, to move going forward is understanding that if you're building for the experience and you want to enhance the trust of your, your employees, the, the boxed way of working in a package may no longer be the case. So certainly conversations came up, but they did, you know, I'll be honest with you, if I think back as far as even with uh, really traditional spaces engineering, it came up then. They wanted the lump sum. They wanted to be able to control their own moves. They wanted to say, okay, if you give me this amount, I certainly can do a better job in finding the service myself or, you know, my spouse is at home. She can take care of this. I don't need you guys to do this. So I, I think, you know, if, if I zoom out, that view certainly has not changed from, you know, nine years ago to today. And it certainly has not changed across the industry. So I don't want it to make... I don't want to, to portray that it, it ramps up significantly in a technology space. That has not been my experience. Over the past four or so industries that I've been in, that has been the model. The lump sum has been there. I think probably where we can go in this conversation is recognizing that now in an environment where we have less face-to-face -face interaction and employees want to feel that sense of control conversations may start coming up more frequently about how can I be in control of my experience and the, the, the natural consequence of that could be a lump sum move. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not a proponent of or against. I think, it, I think we need to get to a space in understanding how to rebuild the trust of our employees. And that does mean that we would have to look at program design or redesign so that we're meeting the experience, lived and desired experience of or employees that we move. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I can see that basically no matter what vendors the employee uses, be it a technology platform or a more traditional vendor, ultimately the goal of the global mobility practitioners is really to ensure that uh, the entire mobility journey is going to be in line with duty of care. I'm mindful of, you know, the conversations that, that we're starting to see a distinction between, you know, employers are seen as either bottlenecks in the system in that they are probably the ones holding on for employees making a decision where employees just want something to be done. And, and the reason behind that comes from a number of spaces. So I think we just need to get really, it, it, it happens. It has to happen. There, there is nothing that we can do away with the compliance aspects that we need to support. And rightly or wrongly, and I hate to say this because it seems like a really negative word, but the liabilities are there. And assessing those come through that duty of care. And it's not an, a decision that you can just quickly turn on and turn off overnight. And I think those are things that we need to be more transparent when we're talking to or, or, or 
workforce and how we're moving them, we need to tell that story as to why we're making some of these decisions so that they have greater understanding of why these things are there, some of these benefits are there to support them. But certainly you do want to be flexible in understanding their needs as well and seeing where you can bridge that, that divide. That's actually such an interesting point of view because basically you need to kind of explain to the workforce perhaps why they don't, uh, why they can't use the typical providers they could, for example, use for their leisure time, but you need to explain that you're actually liable for the entire experience and, and their well-being. That's correct. Right. correct. And, you know, as, as you know, the, the expediency with which, you know, startups are coming up in every single space, be it from Tempacom, because we've had the conversations. I remember when Airbnb started loosely, I don't even know if it was, it, it, there was or there was a model around that, even as far back as I can remember when I was in Oakville. And yes, people wanted to just find a spot. Oh, this person had something on Kijiji, which is like, it's your Craigslist. I can stay there. And the next few days after they're complaining because you've got you know three people or a party group that's going on on the other side because those are things that we sometimes vet for and and now if you so you you do want to allow for the flexibility and freedom of choice but there there need there there is an ask of us as practitioners that we are you gave us this opportunity to support you on your move and we've vetted the service providers for you and looked at why. Certainly if that does not meet your need, let's come to an understanding as to why that happened. So it's just understanding that and then having the conversation. I don't think we want to in this space, certainly in this environment going forward, really get hung up on, we must do this and this is the only way this can work. It's now a, a, a real call for greater transparency and understanding the needs, reducing the friction, and probably reducing the, the touch points that the employees have. You know, in a space where we're now distributed, I can probably count from the time someone's initiated 10 touch points before they actually move or actually start a service. That's probably, 10 too many for an expat that's 10 too many for you know a millennial it's it's 10 too many period so how do we reduce that but still provide the best level of care and service i think that's something that we need to get cleaner at certainly mm -hmm. i guess that i only have one last question and that would be what is it that you enjoy the most about the global mobility industry and hr you know it's 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 the hard it's the hard conversations and it's the conversations that you don't plan for. Those are probably the most insightful and rewarding parts of what I've, I've had so far. It's, it's, it's weird to pinpoint it on one thing, but I really enjoy the experience of talking to families or talking to employees who are deciding to make a journey to parts unknown, sorry, um, for, for the company that I'm working for. I think it's equally exciting to support them on that journey. Um, but I also love and miss to some extent that the, the conferences and the mind sharing and, and the networking that happens in this space. There are some extremely talented individuals in this space and just to hear their stories or just to brainstorm with them and just have this, this way of you know, you can, it, it's almost like you have this, you have this weird personal relationship with every, everyone in mobility. They know exactly what you're thinking about. 
and they you don't have to say it. you just give them a look and they know exactly what you're going through you're like yep yeah. on to the next one but yeah that's that's what i love about this space yeah I just need to say that that this has been really inspiring and we, we touched upon a lot of subjects. So thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Have a good one.